630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Some other notes from today. Philadelphia, former Philadelphia Flyer, Rick McLeish has passed away at the age of 66. He was the leading scorer in the playoffs when the Flyers won the Stanley Cup in 74 and 75. Scored the Cup winner against the Boston Bruins in 1974. Ken Hitchcock signing for one more season with the St. Louis Blues. Hitchcock is 64 from Edmonton. Says it will be his final season. Blues are coming off their first appearance in the Western Conference Finals since 01, ending a string of three consecutive first-round playoff losses. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Chet. Kevin Pillar made a spectacular catch in the outfield tonight, also had the tie-breaking single as the Toronto Blue Jays beat the New York Yankees 4-1. Justin Smoke. Had a homer in the fourth as the Blue Jays are now up to 28-26 and 26 on the season. Jay Happ earned a no decision. He gave up a run in four hits over six innings with four strikeouts. Joe Biagini and Jesse Chavez pitched a scoreless inning each before closer Roberta Asuna came on for his 12th save of the season. The Blue Jays have also acquired Jason Grilly from the Atlanta Braves. CC Sabathia getting the loss for the Yankees. The uh, Yankees dropped to 24-27. and 27. On the year. All right. Hockey tomorrow on this station. Sharks and Penguins, game two of the Stanley Cup final. You can listen to live play by play starting at six. The NBA finals will start on Thursday. That is Golden State home to Cleveland. I always want to say Golden State home to Oakland for some reason. Golden State home to Cleveland. Uh, we're not broadcasting that game. So we'll keep people updated, Kellen Kennedy. Yes. We will update every time a point is scored. Well, maybe not update. that often. <laughs> Curry at the free throw line, update. <laughs> oh, he misses, update. Are we going to make NBA Finals predictions? Do we dare do that? Here's uh, the thing. Yeah, the thing. you can if you want. I'm horrible at predictions. I don't know why I even bother anymore. <laughs> I don't and know. You got that Super Bowl right a couple years in this ago. Job. Like sometimes I'll meet somebody in public and they'll be like, "Who's gonna win this?" Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's how, how so would tough. I possibly now. know. But well, I think I'm six and eight. Yeah. In my uh, playoff picks that we do on Oilers now. Yes, that's right. I'm worse than a coin flip. I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and say Golden State in six. Okay. That's it. I'll take. Uh, well, I'm gonna take Golden State as well. I think yeah. they'll get past. It's gonna be tough. Yeah. I'll take seven. Okay, it'll be seven. a long series. There you go. Either yeah. six or seven. But well, yeah. you're safe picking a longer series when you get to the final. Most years. That's what I do. I guess. I it's like Stanley Cup final, I took uh, Pittsburgh in seven. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I think I took the Sharks in six. Yeah, see? So we both went, you know, six, seven games, something like that, right? You're not going to go ahead and say, oh, Sharks are going to win I should just start four, picking so. all sweeps. There wasn't a sweep. There, there hasn't been a sweep this year, was there? No. I don't think so. There was a five-gamer. Yeah. That couple was like, five-gamers. Yeah, in the first round. Uh, and then five, five gamers, games right? in the second round, Tampa and the Yeah, Islanders, nobody's right? been swept yet. No, oh, it hasn't been a sweep. I should look up if that's ever happened before. Hmm. Well, probably when there were only 
two playoff rounds. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Sweeps. Uh, you can text 636-3780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can get me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. Tyler Benson coming up in a few minutes. Had a huge year in Bantam, playing for the Southside Athletic Club, now with the Vancouver Giants. I want to bring in Eskimos head coach Jason Moss, though he talked to Dave Campbell and others today about a couple of retirements, including the retirement of Matthew Boulay. Yeah, he, he officially retired today, so uh, wish him the best. Uh, thank him for his contribution as an Eskimo, and uh, good luck to him. Did you notice anything kind of laboring with him because he was out here the first couple of days? No, I didn't, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, he, he cited uh, something with health issues in his, his retirement, and, you know, that's as far as I know about that. Yeah. Had, had nothing to do with the position change? It looks like he was... Nope. Nope, not, okay. not from what I understand. I guess for you as a coach, for it to happen day three in training camp, kind of, I don't know if you want to call it a luxury, but you're able to plan for it now and kind of make uh, it. Yes, I mean, uh, it's better than doing it uh, after we've made our team and you know, going into week one for sure. So, yeah. you know, we've got a long training camp with guys that want to be here and want to compete. This is the question about the roster. You ended up on the suspended list. Is there any reason for that? Whenever our protocol is, if you don't show up for practice, you get suspended. Okay. We don't know why you're not at practice. So that was the first thing initially is no one knew where he was, and okay. you suspend him, and then he later announces retirement after that. So that's where you, where you go with it. And like I say, it's news news to the coaches and the staff here. Every, every day someone decides to do that, you know, they always – seem real excited when they sign up and then when they get here and, and they have a change of heart you have a change of heart and you know you just wish those guys the best and just move on did corby say anything to you directly about he said his heart wasn't into it and usually when your heart's not into something you you, you don't want to stick around so you know you 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 know guys that want to be you know want to get I'll just say this, if, if you're deciding to leave, you're deciding to leave and you can't really change a guy's mind. It's exactly what you just said there. You, this is a championship squad, so if you're trying to make a team on a championship squad, it's very difficult to do. There's a lot of prideful veterans here and there's not a lot of spots open, to be quite honest with you, that are you know not penciled in right now. There's always competition in every spot in training camp. But when you're coming in here to take a veteran's job, you got your work cut out for you. That's the bottom line and that's the way it should be, um, particularly like I said, when you're on a championship team. So, you know, there's a lot of pride in Edmonton. So you just can't come in here and expecting this to be easy. If this was easy, everyone would sign up to do it. Not everyone can do it and won't do it. So, you know, these guys are special, and that's the bottom line. All right. That is head coach Jason Moss, ready to rock and roll. A couple guys retiring today. And, yeah, one of them was just drafted less than a month ago. Wide receiver Doug Corby says his uh, heart's not in it. So uh, away he goes. Here, here I heard a little bit of fire there from Jason Moss, as he was known for having that as a player as well. Also want to get to Dave Campbell with Shakir Bell, one of the many running backs the Eskimos uh, used last season because of injuries and uh, poor play along the way. John White went out a year ago in training camp. Uh, Shakir Bell, smaller guy, a little uh, shiftier. Personally, uh, I don't know. I like John White, and I didn't mind Shavers, who came in at the end of the season in the Great Cup. But here's Dave talking with Shakir Bell. Definitely. I mean, we got a lot of great guys. I'm learning a lot from John, learning a lot from Joe. Uh, and all of our guys are healthy, and we're uh, we're moving at a very fast pace. So I'm very excited about training camp. Training camp's been going great. It's a unique situation, I feel, because you have John White, yourself, Akeem Shavers, all starters in this league and have started. You have Joe McKnight, who's a pro bowler in the NFL. Yeah. 
what the heck? <laughs> I mean, this this is this is a this is a unusual luxury here. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a great problem to have to be around such great backs, such veteran backs, guys that's played in the Pro Bowl, played in the Great Cup, played uh, great minutes for the Eskimos. So it's definitely a great luxury to have, and I think the best thing about it is that we're all learning off of each other. Everything mm -hmm. that we lack, everything that each person lacks, another person gains, and then we're able to teach the other person that. So we're uh, we're very we're a very strong running core, and I'm I'm happy that. Uh, that we're coming back this strong. What do you learn from John White, who suffered terrible injury last yeah. year? Season was wiped out very early. Sure. You went through your fair share of injury trouble as well, not to the level of John yeah. White, but when you look at him and the work he has done to get back to this point, what do you see? Uh, man, I just see resilience, man. John is a great, great runner, and he's really his blocking. His blocking skills is amazing. He loves chipping, D-lineman. It's just all the little things. Uh, back whenever Coach McAdoo was uh, was here, he was just telling me about everything that John White did. So I went and I did my, I did my research. I went and I watched old film of him in Utah. I went and I watched old film of him when he was with the Eskies. And John's just a powerful guy. He's just a powerful, resilient guy. And him coming back stronger than ever is just a testimony to what he does. And you mentioned the blocking aspect of the game, and yeah. that's probably the first thing you have to learn here up here, right? If, if you're going to be a successful CFL yes, running back, you need to block. Exactly. I mean, our block protection is first. Well, ball security is first, then there's protection. Uh, we know that Mike Riley is, our, is, the, is the trigger man for the team. He's the one that leads us. He's our captain. So we have to make sure that he stays off the ground. So as much as we can, we stay in the locker room. I mean, we stay in the meetings rooms with the uh, off offensive linemen. We make sure we stay in a good rhythm with those guys, mm -hmm. and then we just try to stay as physical as possible. What did you learn from uh, year one as an Eskimo, which was kind of up and down for you? Just really the Eskimo way, yeah. just staying resilient, making sure that you're studying, making sure that you're actually being a good guy out in the community, make sure that you're just an all-around great character guy and that you're going to come to work every day, no matter if you're tired, no matter if you, you're beat up, you're going to come to work every day because that's the Eskimo way. A lot of competition in, in your position, so got to be sharp always, right? Oh, definitely, and the competition is what's making us right now. Yeah. I mean, that's if, if I see John break a 50-yard run, that motivates me to go break a 60-yard run. So, I mean, the competition is a great thing, and it's, 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 definitely, it's definitely what's pushing us and motivating us. Well, you can do it, because we saw you do it a couple times last year. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I try to. I try to make as many, make my old linemen look as good as possible. They put, they make the holes, and I just run through them. Preseason football, let's face it, is, isn't always the most interesting thing to watch. I'm going to be watching that position, running back for the Edmonton Eskimos. You need a good one. You need a guy who can block and catch as well as run. Shakir Bell, one of the men in the running. When we get back, Tyler Benson. Back in 12-13, he had 146 points in 33 Bantam games. He was first overall in the Bantam draft. He's had a couple of injury-riddled seasons in the Western Hockey League. We will talk to him as the Combine gets going in Buffalo. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Ked. Well, the first round of the NHL draft will be Friday, June 24th in Buffalo. We will have it for you on 630 Ched. We'll also have coverage of rounds two through seven on Saturday, June 25th. And then later on in the day on the 25th, we have the Eskimos home opener against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, just a few things to come over the summer months here on 630 Ched. We're getting you ready for the draft. Of course, the combine is uh, underway in uh, Buffalo, Jack and Bob are going to be there uh, later on this week. Pleased to catch up with Edmonton product, now with the Vancouver Giants. Will he go in the first round? It's Tyler Benson. Tyler, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? 
Doing very well. Great to have you on the show and uh, an exciting time for you. How are you feeling now that the draft is less than a month away? I guess it's uh, just a pretty exciting time. It's something I've looked forward to for a few years now, uh, something I've watched in the past quite a bit, and uh, I'm just excited for it to happen. Bit of a tough year uh, for you this past season, uh, injury-wise and all that kind of stuff. How was it? Uh, it was a frustrating year, I guess. Uh, I mean, I wanted to be able to play this year, help my team win, be able to prove myself uh, to other to the teams, I guess. But uh, it was just a frustrating year all around for me. Yeah, is is that the most injury trouble you've had in your career? Yeah, and it's uh, it's just tough knowing like with my first injury this year, it's uh, there's nothing I could prevent. It's just a uh, bad luck to have, and then it just kept going on throughout the year. Yeah, how are you feeling now? I'm feeling uh, feeling really good. Uh, last week I just got cleared to be working out fully, so I've been working out pretty hard this past little bit, and uh, haven't started skating yet, but I, I'm. Feel pretty good and confident about my body. Yeah, good stuff. Um, it's, let's let's go back a little bit because you're one of those guys that, that has been on the on the radar for a while. What was your, your bantam? Did you have almost 150 points in something like 30 games? Am I exaggerating a bit? But it was a lot, right? Uh, it was that was that's pretty close. Yeah, 146 and 33. Okay. <laughs> well, what, what do you remember <laughs> about that season? I just remember that it was just there was a lot of success all around. I mean, uh, there wasn't. I don't think there was many lows at all. We didn't lose many games as a team. Uh, it was just happy times throughout the whole year. Uh, we happened to win the championship that year at the very end of the year. And uh, I think just uh, we had a lot of success and just it was a lot of fun. Uh, take me a little bit through, I, I guess, the first season after that because you went first overall in the Bantam draft. How was your, uh, how was your year in Kelowna with the, uh, the Pursuit of Excellence program? I think it went well. I think uh, it was a year for development and to get me ready for the WHL, and I think it did that. Uh, I got uh, get the feeling of what it's like to be away from home, I guess, and then just being able to work out every day and uh, be on the ice every day. I think you know, it just it just prepared me getting into the next level. Yeah. So, tell me what a what a what a day would be be like there. Typical day. Uh. I guess uh, start out pretty early. You'd uh, go go to the go to the facilities right away, and maybe do start in the morning. You might do like a little skill session, and right after that, go to school for a couple hours. After school, you might you'd head out to the rink or to go on ice for a couple hours, and then you'd have a workout. And then that would be done by four thirty-ish, and then you'd have the rest of the night. Okay, gotcha. Uh, obviously, a couple of years with Vancouver in the uh, in the Western Hockey League, and now you're getting set for the draft. Tyler Benson, Edmonton product, joining us uh, tonight. Inside Sports on 6:30, Chet. Okay, I'm going to ask you the, the the question here. Give me the Tyler Benson scouting report on Tyler Benson. <laughs> if you were scouting yourself, what would you, what would the notes be? <laughs> uh I'd say he's a highly competitive offensive power forward. Uh, I think. Uh, a high hockey IQ, I think that's, uh, that's the best part of my game. I think I just read the ice well and uh, see the ice well. I can find my teammates and I create ch- chances offensively and play physical. That the the competitiveness, where does that come from? Have you always had that? Was there a coach or a parent or a, or a mentor that that pushed you throughout your hockey career at, at some point? Where does that fire come from? I think it's just something I've always had. I mean, anything I do, I I always want to win. Uh, just I just don't like uh, losing in, in the outcome, so I think it's just 
something that's always been just on my personality, and it's just uh, I'm just a very competitive person. Were there any other uh, sports that that you <laughs> that you were good at along the way, or has it been all hockey? Uh, I never really played any other organized sports, but I guess just uh, fooling around. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm pretty athletic in different areas. I like enjoy going golfing and ping pong. I guess is a is a big one too, and just uh, pretty active in all sports, but just never really played any on teams. How would you like to see your game grow here over the next couple seasons so you become more ready for the NHL, Tyler? Well, I think uh, just I want to be able to work on my speed so I can be able to get to the next level. I think uh, but I guess you just have to work on all parts, but I think that's the biggest part. Uh, it'll be able to help uh, your all-around game, uh, just be able to have more time on the ice and be able to separate separate yourself a little more. Yeah. i, I got to ask, what what has it been like for you I mean, when you're 14, 15, there's already hype surrounding your career, and you're having that year in Bantam, and people are already guessing where you might be drafted in the, in the summer of 2016. Do you hear any of that? How, how do you how do you deal with that? You know, s- speculation around you at a, at a pretty young age. What what's that? What's that like for a teenager to go through? I guess uh, you're pretty young, so it's pretty cool to be able to see those things, but. Uh... I guess you know when you're that young, it's it's still a long ways away, and you just still know you have a lot of work to do to be able to get there. And no matter where you do get drafted, you shouldn't have to work hard. And I guess the end goal isn't where you get drafted; it's uh, you want to be in the NHL and you want to be able to stick there and play for you many years. Well, right on. And, and that journey again going to start uh, in Buffalo. Draft coming up on June 24th and 25th. Tyler, thanks a lot for making time for us. Uh, really appreciate that you would uh, come on Inside Sports tonight. Thanks again. All right, no worries. Thank you. That is Tyler Benson out of the Southside Athletic Club. So first overall in the Bantam Draft three years ago. He's ranked 24th among North American players by Central Scouting. Now, that doesn't include Matthews, uh, Line A, and Pelliarve, who will likely go 1-2-3. Only played 30 games, had 28 points for Vancouver this past season. Calls himself a highly competitive power forward with a high hockey IQ. He's a left winger, six foot, around 195, 200 pounds. So he is a bit of a thicker body. You know, you wonder if people are going to remember what he did in Bantam and say he's probably better than he's shown because of the injuries. And he and he does stay in that first round, maybe even sneak up into the low 20s in that range. I, I think he's going to get snapped up in the first round for sure. Younger brother of former uh, Oil King Cole Benson, of course. We'll talk about some three, uh, some draft-eligible players out of the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Their head coach, former Oiler Drew Bannister, up next. He will also talk about that team's commitment to analytics when we return to Inside Sports. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. The Blue Jays uh, winning 4-1 over the New York Yankees this evening. 
This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It's 833. We're with you until the top of the hour. The show will return on Thursday and Friday. Tomorrow, still sports in this time slot. We'll have Game 2 live play-by-play of the Stanley Cup Final. This portion of the show... Brought to you by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. You can visit 630ched.com for the latest from Eskimos training camp. And if you missed any interviews, past shows, you can go to the Inside Sports page, find the audio. You can sign up for the podcast. I know I got an email, a really cool email, Kellen, from a, a listener in Japan. Oh, cool. Who uh, said, why aren't the shows being podcast? How come you only have one-hour shows up there? Well, for a couple of weeks, we only exactly. had... Well, I guess the, the two weeks ago, we had one one-hour show. Yeah. Last week, we had, I think, a, a one-hour show and a three-hour show. Yeah. Uh, this week, we'll have three three-hour shows. So yeah. the podcasts actually aren't missing. Yeah. There just hasn't been as much uh, inside sports. Yep. But that's, that's cool. Right. We got somebody Sh- listening in Japan. Show tonight, show Thursday, show like, Friday. Much like Spinal Tap, we're big in Japan. We are huge in Japan. <laughs> well, Let's hope we uh, stay relevant longer than Spinal Tap. Great movie, by the way. Yeah, awesome. Let's hope that, you know, things, all the drummers died. Well, yeah, and everything on my board is turned up to 11 here tonight. <laughs> because nice. we don't make 10 any louder. We just, just give it 11. We just, yeah. Yeah. Well, how, why don't you just make 10 the top number and make that a little louder, and then 10 would be the top number. Because 11 better than 10. These go to 11. These go to 11. <laughs> oh, I love that scene. Here's the thing. If people know what we're talking about, they're smiling to themselves right now. If they don't, they're like, these guys are weird. Well, I think they say that about me a lot, but they're saying that we're weird. Well, my favorite scene is when they get lost on their way to the stage. That's a good one. I, I've always liked the scene with the little, the small bread yeah. and the sandwich meat. Yeah. <laughs> and he's try, trying to fold it. Oh, look at this here. I don't want the meat. Would you want to put this in your mouth? <laughs> So many great The movie is called This is Spinal Tap. Tap. It came yeah. out in 82 or 83. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a mockumentary. It, it, it's a mockumentary. So yes. it's shot like a documentary, but yeah. it, well, it's not scripted because they improv it. But yeah. it is not a real band or real people. It is actors, yeah. including Michael McKean, who played Lenny yeah. on Laverne Shirley. Yeah. Uh, Harry Shearer, who does tons of voices on The Simpsons, including Christopher Skinner. Christopher Guest. Guest and Shearer have been on Saturday Night Live. Christopher Guest is married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner plays the director of the documentary, and he is the director of the actual yes. movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, he directed what a few good men, several other films. He was in uh, what was the TV show he was in? All in the Family. Yeah. He was what was the meathead? What was the? <laughs> Archie Bunker called him meathead. What was yeah. the actual character? I can't name? remember. But, I, can't, yeah. I can't remember. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, if you have not seen this, is Spinal Tap, and you have. Um, First of all, if you're a fan of 80s rock, and if you have a, you know, if you're pretty open to all types of humor, I think you'll check it out. I I know some people have watched this as Spinal Tap and said, I don't get it, or they didn't find it funny, but if you like kind of bizarre, subtle humor. If you're a classic rock fan in general, you'll get the movie. Yes. You know. Just, it doesn't matter if you're a 70s classic rock fan or if you're an 80s classic yeah, rock fan. Because it was still yeah. pretty early 80s, so yeah. a lot of the 80s bands hadn't hadn't yeah. peaked yet. So it, it, it almost is more a reflection on on the 70s. But they're an aging, decreasingly relevant uh, rock band. Yeah. In in the movie. Exactly. And the entire and this, here's the thing: the entire movie 
is improvised. I yes. mean, they had scenarios for scenes and ideas mm-hmm. of where it was going to go, but they didn't have line-by-line yeah. written dialogue. I yeah. mean, they filmed hours of stuff. Yeah, I think the only thing that was written for them were the lyrics to the music. Well, right, because they that's wrote... It. And that's the thing. They actually wrote half-decent rock songs. Yes, yeah, they did, yeah. I still, I still love the... Uh, I mean, it, uh, we can't say them on air, but no. the, the lyrics to Big Bottom... <laughs> Yeah, are incredible, <laughs> and then they have their 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 new single in the song is in the movie that there is like their comeback yeah. single is called Sex Farm. Yeah, and the great thing, one of the funniest parts of the movie is the the closing credits is a bunch of just little jokes, like almost outtakes, not mistakes, but things that got cut but were still funny. Yeah. So the bass player, what was his name? Derek Smalls is yes. the character's name. Uh, is is talking to the director about Sex Farm, and he goes, you know. I'll try to do the accent. Well, you know, if you if you look back on some of the songs we did when we were younger, they were just rubbish, like these these horrible, <laughs> you know, immature look, uh, you know, views on on sex. And now, it, 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 if you take a look at at a, at a song like Sex Farm, it, it, it's it's a so much more sophisticated view of sex. Yeah. And the director's like, well, and, and how's that? Well, we've put it on a farm. <laughs> <laughs> and then there is a, a song that they've they uh, were using props for, and it was the uh, uh, what was it about, about the the little people of Stonehenge or something like well, that. Well, somebody just somebody yeah. just texted in uh, a couple texts. <laughs> uh, the little Stonehenge, ha 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 ha, and uh, yeah, somebody else says I'm I'm dying laughing at the spinal t- tap chat. Brilliant. Yeah. Go yes, see it. we do. If there's, if there's, we do, we do go off sports sometimes on this yeah. show, and it's usually with some sort of movie reference or craft beer. That, that's, sometimes superheroes. That's your Netflix uh, homework for the night. Is go watch this go, is Spinal Chat, this is and then when we when we reconvene on Thursday, I want everybody's opinion on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, should we take a break and then do Drew Bannister? How Sounds are we good. doing for time? Yeah, let's do that. Drew Bannister, former Oilers defenseman, he now coaches the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. He's next. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Okay, yeah, get back to the draft talk here. We had Tyler Benson on uh, the show. We talked to Sam Steele last week, another Edmonton area product. We had Danton Cole on. He's the head coach of the U.S. National Team Development Program, one of two coaches they have. One does the U18 team, the other one does the U17 team. Right now, we bring in former Oilers defenseman. He's currently the head coach in the OHL with the Sioux Greyhounds. It is Drew Bannister. Drew, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Very good, Reed. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, always great to have a former Edmonton Oiler on the show, though I, I think it was brief. Uh, I think it was uh, about 35 games and uh, and a couple playoff rounds, if I remember. Yeah, it was uh, it was a brief uh, brief stint, uh, you know, early on in my career where I was uh, moved over uh, late in the season on the deadline. Uh, had a we had a you know a pretty good playoff run that year where uh, we upset uh, Dallas in the first ra- uh, first round. Uh, and then the following year, I was moved uh, moved on uh, to Anaheim. Um, basically, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a funny story. We were actually in Anaheim. I pregame skated uh, with Edmonton that morning, and then uh, got the uh, the call uh, right before I was uh, putting my head down for a little nap uh, from Glenn Sather that I was uh, going to be moving rooms and playing against them uh, that night. So, uh, one of those uh, funny stories that happened. That I'm, I'm sure it's I'm not the first person to happen to, but it was a little bit strange at the time. 
Well, that's got to be weird. So you, so you took the morning skate with the team you wound up playing against later that day. Yeah. <laughs> so you knew what the game plan was then, though, right? <laughs> and, and and the funny thing is, is when I got traded to 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 Edmonton, I got traded on the plane flying from Tampa Bay to Edmonton. That was the deadline. We were on the plane, and, and we were playing Edmonton the uh, the following night or two nights later. I was injured at the time, and uh, it was the deadline when we were in the air, but I got traded to Edmonton from Tampa, who we, you know, we played basically the same thing. So the two times I got moved were, uh, were times where I was playing the team uh, that I played with uh, the night after. Wow, that that's uh, that's amazing. I guess, geez. Uh, well, and you played in that '97 series, the Oilers against the Dallas Stars. What was more amazing in uh, Game Seven, Cujo's save or Marchant's overtime goal? <laughs> uh, I think you got to go with the save. That was, yeah. uh, you know, on I think it was on Joel Newendike at the time. But uh, what a remarkable save and and how he well he played, you know, f- throughout that series to kind of keep us in it and give us uh, an opportunity to win and then. Um, you know, with my shots going in overtime on the breakaway, uh, you know, quite an exciting time, certainly for for that young group and uh, kind of led the way to, to what they did later on, uh, you know, a few years down the road with, with the run to the Stanley Cup final. Well, and you've uh, you had an interesting career because uh, I mean it's not un- uncommon for guys to play in Europe a bit after playing in the NHL. You had a really good run there, and and I got to ask you about playing in the EI. HL, the Elite Ice Hockey League, which is in uh, which is in which is in the UK. Uh, I know I know some guys talk uh, uh, have had some interesting experiences in that league. What was it like for you in England? Well, it's it's, it's not when I went. It was not so elite, I would guess you would say. But uh, there there's you know there was a lot of discrepancy uh, within the, within the teams that uh, from the top to the bottom. But um, I had an opportunity. It was, it was towards the end of my career. Uh, where I was able to go over there and uh, kind of be uh, the Reg Dunlop, Dunlop as I uh, was a player coach, uh, both in in Hull, uh, England, and then in in uh, Brayhead, which is uh, just outside Glasgow in that league. So, um, you know, that was an opportunity for me to kind of start to get my uh, my feet wet in the, in the coaching area and, and get an idea of uh, where I wanted to go with my career path after playing hockey and certainly get some experience doing that. So. Um, that was the opportunity that I, you know, had in front of me, and I thought it was a great opportunity, and it, it certainly kind of paved the way for for where I am today. What's that like being a player coach? I mean, how do you focus on doing both jobs in a game? Well, I was lucky enough to to have uh, uh, kind of an uh, uh, a Canadian uh, guy that had played in the league that had retired there and married. Uh, Married uh, a girl from England, and he was a he was a school teacher over there. So uh, Frank basically was uh, ran the bench for me, and obviously I did all the meetings. So the, the interesting thing was is how you ran a practice. So you know I had the whistle in my hand, and I'd be doing the drills and blowing the whistle and kind of going going through the drills with the guys. And it was an interesting concept to be a part of a team, but have to be able to separate yourself from the players at the same time to to have that level of respect. But again, it was it was a learning experience for me I thought it was a great experience to to still continue to play because I felt I could still play and contribute uh, uh, to my teammates but also uh, kind of build that coaching resume geez a lot of pressure to never screw up a drill eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made sure I went last all the time so. <laughs> 
Drew Bannister joining us uh, inside Sports on 630, Chad, as we touched on a former uh, Edmonton Oiler and uh, now the co uh, coach in the Ontario Hockey League with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. It's going to be exciting for you guys in a little uh, under a month because you, you're probably going to have uh, two or three guys, likely three, go in the in the top two rounds. So we want to touch on those. I know, I know your left winger, Boris Kachuk. Uh, interesting yep. story and a, and a guy who might go, uh, you know, maybe 21 to 30 in that range. Yeah, uh, Boris. Uh, Boris has been a great story for us. Kind of came um, came out of uh, a little bit out of nowhere. I mean, obviously, we knew what we had in Boris. He played, uh, um, you know, parts of our last year, the fall of the year before with us, but we spent most of our time with our affiliated team in the Sioux, uh, the Thunderbirds, and, and was able to develop his game and really came on early. I think he surprised a lot of guys, but certainly uh, the way with you know, after Christmas and how Boris played, uh, played certainly for us in our, in the playoffs and probably was, uh, you know, one of our best players, um, certainly kind of rocketed him up the, uh, the draft rankings. And, and there's a lot of players, there are a lot of teams that certainly like Boris and Boris is an interesting player that he's, uh, he, there's not a lot of types of play, you know, for, for what we've seen around uh, the Ontario Hockey League. He really brings a lot of different, uh, different aspects to the game. Um, and in the sense that he's kind of, uh, an old school uh, guy, the way he plays the game and the way he has the skill level too. He's he's kind of got the you know two parts to his game, and whether he's a power forward or a skill forward, he can play it both ways. All right, you got another guy up front, uh, ranked thirty third in North America by Central Scouting, Jack Kopaka. Uh, I mean. It's easy for me to sit here and say, well, his offensive numbers don't jump out at me. You have 43 points in 67 games. But what, what, uh, what's made him a special player for you? Well, Jack was a kid that came on late for us in, in the year, and there was a lot of double development in the first part for Jack. Cause, um, he came out of uh, a U18 program um, in, in Michigan uh, where – um, you know, he didn't have great habits. So our first, uh, you know, our first few months with Jack was, was just all about, uh, you know, making him a better player, helping him with his habits on the ice, his habits off the ice. And after Christmas, he really came on. And the one thing that, you know, I, you know, I'm pretty well aware of what we do. We're pretty analytical and so a little bit ahead of uh, a lot of a lot of junior hockey teams. Uh, we kind of, uh, you know, went in the forefront with that, and then we spent a lot of time. But Jack, Jack, if you look at his numbers, he is the second most, especially for draft eligible kids uh, coming out of the Ontario Hockey League, and only uh, one behind uh, Kachuk, uh, who's playing in London in the Memorial Cup right now, where he scored 16 of his goals five on five, and uh, Kachuk scored 25 on five. So, and a lot of them came after Christmas. He really went on a tear there. So, five on five, Jack is is a dangerous hockey player. He has a lot of ability, a lot of skill. Uh, good-sized kid that skates really well, um, and I think over the next two years, I think we're, he's kind of a kid that's kind of just touching the base of his talent, um, and I think he's going to grow into be a real important player for us. All right, and uh, also ranked in the top 50, you have Tim Gettinger. Uh, he's a big boy, isn't he? Yeah, uh, you know, six foot six, uh, 220 pounds, and I think he hasn't even filled out yet, and um, the remarkable thing about Timmy is, um, you know, I think he probably, uh, 
you know, didn't play up. There was a lot of expectations for Tim, and I think uh, pressure-wise kind of got to him a little bit, but um, started to, to really kind of develop and had some real good games. Um, but for a guy that's six foot six, skates as well as he does, and has the skill level, uh, he's a prototypical NHL forward uh, with what he can do and how he can play the game. Um, and how he plays compares to his peers. When he plays with his peers, man, he really stands out. So um, I think there's a lot more uh, growth, and I think we're going to see that. I think anybody that gets Tim uh, where they do is going to be really ecstatic to have that player on their team, and they're going to really see a player that can develop over the next two years. And and probably, you know, all three of these guys are going to play pro hockey, and it's – you know, where they do and how much they do will be certainly up to them and the work they, that they're willing to put into it. But they're all three uh, three kids are quality kids, and, uh, and certainly I believe one day they'll, they'll all be real good pros. Drew Bannister joining us on Inside Sports tonight. He's the uh, head coach of the Sioux Greyhounds in the on- Ontario Hockey League. You mentioned the, the analytics angle of things, and uh, obviously you had uh, Kyle Dubas, I guess before you were there, but he went on to work yeah. for the Maple Leafs. Uh, Kyle Raftis is your, your general manager now. Yeah. I mean, a lot of coaches will say, okay, great for analytics, but the game is played on the ice, not on a spreadsheet. <laughs> how, do you, how, do yeah. you, how do you balance the, the two philosophies? No, I agree, and, and there, there's a lot that uh, obviously we don't share a lot with our players. Uh, you know, a lot of it's for feedback for ourselves uh, with the coaching staff. Um, obviously, there's, uh, you know, the new, uh, not necessarily new to the, the NHL, but what we're using is the Wowie, is the with and without you. Um, and we've used that with pairings with our D and mixing and matching things up to see who plays well with each other. And in some certain uh, circumstances, it's worked well for us, and others, it hasn't worked well. But I think it just gives you another aspect and another layer of, of uh you know, possibly having more success than not having it, and and I don't think there's there, there's enough that you can do not only for for us as coaches to make us better, but to, to give our kids the opportunity to succeed too. And um, you know, I, I think that we do what we do in the Sioux here gives our kids uh, every opportunity to become better junior hockey players and give them the opportunity to succeed and be better pros too. Well, that, that's uh, that's interesting stuff, and I, I find it interesting how. You, you make the point that you kind of you want that information, but you don't want to bog down the players. With I mean, I don't think you'd want a player on the ice worried about what his course he's going to be, right? No, and, no, and, and 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 quite honestly, Reed, like there's some things that we do share with the kids, but they have all we give them ownership in it, and it's something that we'll put up. Uh, um, and, and again, it's not really analytic stuff. It's uh, you know average shift lengths. It's uh, D zone exits. It's uh, you know, first-time exits out of our D zone, uh, controlled entries for and against that we will track during the game and that we put up on on the uh, on the board in between periods. So the kids kind of have a little bit of ownership, and we give them some ownership in that, and it gives them a base ground, a little bit of analytics of what we do and what we like to hit uh, during games and during periods when we're playing teams and teams that are playing us. So they have some kind of knowledge of, of it, but uh, obviously the the Corsi stuff and the Lowy stuff that we don't uh, we kind of keep to ourselves, and um, it's just for our own use. Yeah, interesting stuff. Well, you know, again, good for you guys to have the the, the three guys ranked in the in the top fifty. I know a lot of people in the Sioux will be watching what happens, and all the best as you move through your coaching career, Drew. Really appreciate you taking some time for us. Well, no, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on here today.
That is Drew Bannister, former Oiler. Interesting stories. A couple times traded to the team he was getting ready to play. And, yeah, heavy, heavy dose of analytics with the Sioux Greyhounds. They've always kind of been ahead of the curve when it comes to that kind of stuff. Drew Bannister among our guests tonight. You also heard from Edmonton product Tyler Benson getting ready for the draft. He's with the Vancouver Giants. Dave Campbell with an update from Eskimos training camp. You also heard comments from Eskimos head coach Jason Moss and running back Shakir Bell. Kelly Rudy was also on the show. And a big thanks to everybody who called in and texted. It is always great to hear from you. All right, so tomorrow, no inside sports. 6 o'clock, we have live play-by-play of Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. We're back on Thursday and Friday with full editions of this program. Of course, uh, keep it tuned to our news shows over the next couple of days. Complete coverage of uh, Fort McMurray as people start to go back to that city. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. The studio producer this evening has been Kellen Kennedy. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The Blue Jays win tonight 4-1 over the Yankees. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.